What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Lee 2B, the sassiest podcast for B2B and beyond. And your go-to place for fun and actual conversations with industry leaders. I'm your host, Lee Moskowitz. Today, we're in for a treat because we have Peter Wheeler with us. He's a seasoned entrepreneur and marketing leader. He has executed major campaigns and built revenue teams for global brands like Okta, Dolby, BMW, Miller Coors, Mapbox, CMT, and a whole bunch of other organizations that I don't have time to list. He's known as Peter-led growth because Peter specializes in product-led growth and go-to-market strategies, reshaping how businesses engage and expand in the digital era. Join us as we dive into Peter's journey, uncovering the stories behind his successes, and getting insights into the world of entrepreneurship, PLG, marketing, and more on Lee2B. I feel like I owe you some money after that. Got a hype you can pay me. You're welcome to pay me. Yeah, you did a better, you did a better bio than any that I've ever written. So there we go. Well, so you know, if somebody were to ask me to write my bio, I'd be like, um, so I feel like it's the same thing with with people. Yeah. it's like other people should write your bios. That's how I I feel and believe. The full hype man, that was great. That's what I do. So this way, here my guests like me when I when I start, and they're like happy to be here. Yeah, yes, for... I'm happy to be here. Sorry. <laughs> yes, very and, good and to hear that. Opinions expressed are my own and not those of former, present, or future employers. Yeah, so so Peter also has, you have Pitch Slap, that's your podcast, and you've done podcasts before. So Peter is all about those legal disclaimers. And that's why he shared that, because he's a, yeah. he's a real podcaster. Hey, Good Chat is the existing one. Pitch Slap hasn't gone live yet. Oh, okay. Hey, Good Chat. What's, wrong what's with it called? That? But let, let's get into you just congrats on your new role first of all thank you thank senior you. growth manager plg at pat snap tell our listeners about pat snap i love saying that pat, pat snap. snap that is a fun one we got this really neat internal logo dude the pat kid and you notice it you you liked that corporate swag uh, my daughter always wonders why it looks so angry but we're, we're figuring that out anyway um she doesn't pat... pay bills yet that's why exactly exactly the Pat Snap is an organization that works with intellectual property and research and development professionals to help them make sense of all the guck. I don't know if anybody's ever looked at a patent or a patent application, but they're huge and they have tons of legalese in them, uh, as well as uh, scientific research papers, chemical compositions. And what I'm doing with them right now is we have a product called Eureka, which uh, we're offering as a freemium to enterprise PLG motion. Mm-hmm. And Eureka is more geared towards R&D professionals to see competitive landscape in product or in companies to do patent research um, and to collaborate with peers. Those are some of the big things. And of course, du jour, we have a lot of AI built in and a full co-pilot for it. But uh, nice. yeah, if you've ever wanted to tinker or think you have a good idea and want to see if it could be valid, how to do it, and if there's competition, check it out. Eureka. So is it, is it more for like, I am an R&D team at a Fortune 500 company, and I before I start a project, I want to see what already exists before I spend time on my IP? Or is it for like Joe, everybody who wants to protect their IP and has an idea for something? Full scale. Ooh. Full scale. Um, so it, it's there's a workspace for larger teams. There's a competitive landscape for larger organizations. 
all the way down to the independent researcher, independent innovator, idea person, uh, really to help translate to the legal teams or the, the red line teams, as they're usually called. So legal, IP, finance. Yeah, all the stuff I'm marketers saying, go, love go to talk play about. with it, everybody. It's free. Yeah. yeah, freemium, free trial, Pat Snap, everybody. Again, love the name. Uh, so we already started talking about free trials, but before we go further, I always like to ask everybody, because you ask one person one thing, they'll say a different definition. Before we get into Peter-led growth, and this could be your answer too, but what is your definition of product-led growth? Ooh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, it's just letting the product front load the work in the sales funnel. So a lot of marketers... it's. You know, we we argue that it's a marketing motion or sales motion, and it's really a growth motion. Um, So, you know, I was was asking people to sign up. They're going to go in and play. They're going to find a moment. Oh, this is useful to me. This is not useful to me. When you look at sales, we have complications like getting people aware, getting them engaged, getting them onboarded, getting them educated. And it kind of falls in that order, whereas with a PLG motion, Folks on board first. I guess the first step. And then they're educating themselves on it. Then they're interacting with communities. And, you know, from a marketing perspective, it's like whatever. But from a sales perspective, it's it's very much a gift. And that's why I think, um, you know, PLG is going to start tapering down over the next couple of years. And everybody's starting to look at product-led sales. And really, Ooh. that's the the smart way of doing it and it's it's interesting because there are two teams historically for me working in SaaS that i've seen not get along and that's engineering and sales one over promises the other under under delivers and depending on who you're asking it could be either or yeah just really neat having so that break that, type that of break that uh, sorry to cut you off break that down what is break down product-led growth versus product-led sales so product-led growth are things uh you can look at like the real leaders in the space are the ones that everybody mentions top of mind are like Canva, Dropbox, mm-hmm. uh, more consumer oriented. But then if you look at also Canva or Dropbox, um, they have enterprise motions in it. Both of them have a Teams, Dropbox has business, they have like an enterprise. And what the product-led growth aspect of all of that is leading into product-led sales. I feel like I'm getting way too technical for just a sassy podcast. I want it to be a little no, bit more fiery so, and spicy. Oh, I, we like technical. You can be sassy okay. too. But this yeah, so is, I'm this just going to talk fact. Um, user signs up. Mm-hmm. They start using the product. They start understanding the product. The company who built the product drives them to some moment, this activation moment where like they're starting to see value. And then from there, the company's obligation, the product's obligation is to develop habit for that user. Like, keep logging in, keep using it, spend time on the site, tell people about it. That's the adore phase that they eventually get to. And from adore, there's going to be two different routes. They're going to refer more people. So maybe colleagues, friends, future colleagues, like, hey, this is a platform that I really like using. And that's going to create this expansion. Or they're going to go, I've hit the limit. We've all experienced this. You know, you've got a free plan that only gets you so far. Mm-hmm. Or tosses a watermark on it, or does this, or does that. It's not a penalty, just a, they call it a product gate. 
just a stop sign with a gate on it. And in a lot of self-service motions, you can buy additional tiers. At Auth0, I think we had uh, 28 permutations beyond mm-hmm. free before you got to even talking about an enterprise contract. Uh, Pat Snap, we go from free to enterprise. That's how that freemium model works. Um, mm-hmm. When you're looking, so that's the product-led sales aspect of it is that you have a product limitation, which creates the PQL, the product qualified lead, which is an individual that becomes a hand raiser. So they're a hand raiser and they keep hitting their rate limits. They're overusing the product. They're very active in your product community, whatever it may be. And so sales knows to engage with them. And then on that referral side of it, maybe that individual that does the referral and brings more people on isn't your business decision maker. They're not the one that wants to have the conversation, that finds it appropriate to have the conversation, but they're bringing more people in. Then you get a PQA, which is the product qualified account. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't misuse that like everybody misuses Tam, Sam, and Sam. Your PQA is the company and your PQL is the buyer within the company. And you're done. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's where product-led sales comes into play is you let the product do all the heavy lifting and you don't have to pitch yeah so we have that too on the marketing side mql mqa Mm -hmm. marketing qualified lead marketing qualified account but i mean we we talk about plg it's making your product really good so your users are empowered engaged and love it sounds easy sounds great everybody should do that right wrong a lot of people fail at plg and it's not the solution for every single company out there. Who is PLG for? Who is somebody that should use PLG versus, whoa, PLG is not working? That is often argued. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at people like uh, Ben Williams, who used to be with uh, SNCC. And that was an organization that went from fully enterprise to adding PLG. You can look at, oh, I can't remember Justin's last name, but um, he was at MongoDB back when they were an, an on-premise hardware company, and they moved into PLG, cloud-based. You can look at, like, uh, Ellen Averna and Dropbox. I think it, when you're talking about adding PLG inside of an organization, it's not the product. Mongo's a great example of that. It is the individual leading the charge. Those individuals are a great example of it. And it's the company culture around it. You don't have to you don't have to start it for in PLG, but your product and your people have to be at an operational level where they get it, where they're not chasing a five or six figure contract, where they understand they can have a very short sales cycle two figure MRR, but that two figure stacks and i think dropbox being a great example canva being a great example petsnap being a great example it's in those um collaborative efforts it's when you start seeing um a network effect and that's your growth loop like mm-hmm. look at look at dropbox it's, oh yeah files file storage great la, la, la. well you send somebody a link you've got Every pop-up, every modal, every overlay possible 
driving them to sign up for an account, which actually isn't necessary to view the file, but people do. Mm-hmm. So if you have a product that has some minimal level of virality and can be used by an individual that also can be used as a collaborative tool, you're in a great spot. So but is, is that really the key, though? Like, can you do a successful PLG campaign without having any kind of freemium project or or program rather can you can you truly do that well a lot of organizations do they'll have like a 14 day free trial um and then you go into a paid plan yeah doing it with no free trial i i don't see why not nobody's top of mind at the moment but Mm -hmm. if you're providing value and the product's accessible and you can do those two simple points there's like seven steps in the whole flywheel plg but really activation getting somebody to use it to a point where they got the value and build their habits and get to a door which like when you're talking in the sales nomenclature or that that bottom of funnel that marketers worry about because we're finally getting held to metrics on it of the time to value that's where that's where we're hitting it so if you've got Mm -hmm. a product that does that it's great if you've got a large, you know, I don't envision a $10,000 MRR PLG product. To me, right. that's more of like a rental. But I don't see why anybody couldn't start at it 30, 50, 200. Yeah. A oh, sales Navigator, LinkedIn Premium. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. HubSpot. HubSpot's another good example. They're, they're free CRM. Okay. We have business owners, they're going to start using this free CRM. Quickly, they discover they need more than 10 custom contact properties, or eventually all their contacts are there and it's time to upgrade. Are they going to move to another CRM that's cheaper or free or different, or are they going to just use it where everything is already there? So, yeah, I mean, getting people to like your product, not be pissed off by the lack of features there, and then just making it easy for them. And it just, it's just another barrier that that comes down when people actually see your product. Right. And one of the biggest motions, one of the biggest things you have to worry about beyond the product itself and that it works is your pricing and packaging. Are you giving enough at the free level that you can start building habits with people? But are you not giving away the house? Mm-hmm. And when you move mm-hmm. to something that's paid, are you moving to something where they're seeing value dollar to dollar? So there's this big competitive landscape. There's all these things. I don't want people to get this idea that once they've they've got somebody in their little PLG flow, that that person's captive. Yeah, there's a lot of folks. You know, when you look at developer tools, PLG developer tools, those people usually know more than the product team who's building it. Mm-hmm. And they've researched it, and they understand it, and they have favorites, and they have referrals. And this gets into a really big argument about a good referral is worth 100 hours of research. I truly believe that. Um, it doesn't mean they're going to stick around. If your documentation yeah. sucks, if, if everything that allows it to be self-service sucks, they're going to leave. So it's great product, great pricing, and great support. You have to do all three. And this, again, is taking all the stuff that's in the backside of sales and putting it up front. And that's the Mm -hmm. hard part for organizations. This is that cultural shift to get it. Yeah. And you, you want your buyers to want more. 
You want your customers to want more from the product to sign up. But you don't want them to be Oliver Twist begging for, please, sir, can I have some more? You don't want them to be giving them gruel because they're not going to want, you don't want them to be begging for it. You want them to be like, this is awesome. This was a great meal, but I need more. Well, y- yes. Tell me more. Yeah. That's, that's the me. point where they escape into the next tier. Yeah. Yeah. And I think an unsung hero or maybe an underrated hero here is the the onboarding and CS teams who are often the busiest people in these places who are doing everything they can to make sure that during the trial experience, the and, and this is the AE sometimes too on the sales side. Sometimes it's not even CS. Sometimes it's still on the, the sales side. Or it's a combo of the two. But that's really where making their their trial a success is the conversion point and a lot of people drop that off i think like hey they came in great those are the unsung heroes regardless of what your sales motion is Mm -hmm. absolutely uh ken ken ward uh wrote a book called selling sustainably and one of the lines that he always throws out that um i love is you don't have them as a customer until they run it and that's how cool is that like that's if you really do your job and think of it that way, that's the whole point. So they have to experience every element of it. Now, one of the ways to be more efficient in PLG and to help subsidize those teams are building strong communities and having the support be peer to peer. We've all signed up for something where a support license is way more expensive or you can only get email support that takes seven days, you can't use the chat and you can't use the phone. Mm -hmm. When you have those community forums, then you're introducing like FOMO. You're introducing uh, peer-to-peer showing off what they're doing, what they're accomplishing, hacks. And then you're also doing some amazing product research. Are we getting into community-led growth now? Does it become community-led growth or is community-led growth not a thing and it's really just part of product-led growth? Internal communities so like if you have a community.myproduct.com patsnap just launched launched theirs if you have that that's very different than the broader scale of community-led growth which is where you start bringing in the influencers and you bring in more of the experiential and the public aspect of it and getting brand engagement at a larger scale so there, there there's a there's definitely a difference there now all that outside stuff will certainly come to the inside. And so your influencers will be more active. Your super users will be more active. Reddit's a really good example of this. It's, it is just community. And it's community-led. Like you have these ghostly Reddit admins. But the real people running it are the moderators. And the moderators are just users that happen to get to a point where a group. Um, that's... You know, that's, um, I'm glad you brought that up because that'll be fun to think about. But community like yeah. growth is definitely a bigger picture than utilizing your community to strengthen your PLG. So, yes, support community like growth, support your community, and that will help your, your everything, honestly, yeah. beyond PLG. And I'm glad you said Reddit because, yes, that's the community. But, like, whenever I look for something, I put software name or product name plus Reddit. Because mm-hmm. that's where you get the the real testimonials. And I think with product-led growth, because so much emphasis is, as the name says, on the product, you're ensuring that... Because Reddit's brutal. 
Reddit is brutal. If your product is even the least bit not functioning or not great, like it'll it'll be destroyed. So Reddit is like that. I think just PLG and Reddit is is such a good thing to bring up. Yeah, and that's that's another facet of where an owned community is very important, and accountability mm-hmm. is in, is important. Removing the anonymity is important in in any form of. Ooh, we're just moving over to community led growth. I'm fine with that. Um, this is the majority of my background. The anonymity has to be gone because otherwise, it really is just trolling and venting. The biggest parts of CLG are people showing off, not people whining. People asking valid questions so you can do your job better in making what you're doing or provide better documentation or support. All that is critical. And it it amazes me that people honestly believe that lambasting someone or something and complaining nonstop will cause any kind of change. Mm Other than weather them personally. <laughs> yeah. And that's let, let them have it. That's great. I'm good with that. One other thing I want to get into is gamification and the gamified model, especially when it comes to just PLG and freemiums, because it's such a good way to engage people. But before I talk more about it, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on gamification for, for PLG and freemiums. So that's, that's where that growth loop concept is is strongest it's figuring out what your gamification is so when i came into pat snap one of the it, it was almost weird because it was there was gamification inside of a b2b free product and there wasn't a skew for a paid self-service level so it's like how's this going to do anything and the trick that they were using was uh releasing rate limits and basically making like a freemium premium. I think that's what they called it was premium. That's what we're still working on. It's those little elements. Gamification's fun inside a PLG for the PLG professional, for the growth professional. In driving that habit. In driving that aha activation moment. Where they finally got a user using the product. This gets into like the support and the guidance, and the onboarding, and the education. If you don't have a good workflow inside of your product, or it's not obvious inside of your product, you need to build those pieces, and then build the gamification around it. But is the gamification, is it literally like, you get stars for this, or it's like, you completed this, confetti. What what's just an example of gamification? It doesn't, it doesn't have, have to be, pass to now. be that brazen. Yeah. Um, it doesn't need to be that obvious. So there's, there's these little elements that come into it, and one of the, the terms that we use is declared data. So when you come into a product, you're telling the organization stuff, your name, your email address, different little bits of firmographic information. Or in marketing, we'd, we'd usually have a form, you know, and, and then we'd go and do data enrichment with some sort of outside tool. In PLG inside of a product that declared information can be gamified and part of your flow. So if you look at uh, Monday.com is one of my favorite examples of this. They, um, when you sign up, of course you can skip it, but they have this wizard that, that goes through 
who are you? How big is your organization? What kind of work do you do? What industry are you in? And then it presents you with templates that make sense for your job. That actually is gamification. Gamification is just getting people to provide that declared information. Any platform you go on where it's like, they'll have a little sidebar that pops up or chat bot that pops up and says, your profile is 29% complete. And it starts begging you for stuff. Yeah. Like a profile picture. How do you need a profile picture? I'm the only <laughs> one using this. There's no element of this where I'm communicating with somebody else. I'm, I, why do I need to give you a profile picture? <laughs> anyway, it's just bad formula work. I'm part of the PLG person. That also is gamification. Just simple like that dopamine hit of completing a task is gamification. So if you think of any moment that's a dopamine hit for your end user, that's gamification. Using a product and loving it and seeing real value in it and then getting a referral link where they can recommend it to a friend and their friend starts to get value and they thank them and they have that clout and they can brag about it. Gamification. Affiliate links. Give me 15 bucks. Give me 20% of whatever they spend over the years. Gamification. Like. Don't get me wrong. If I could get away with building confetti into an attorney level product and, and have that actually function, I, I would. It's just I can't do it in the product. Actually, in no of the, none of the products that I've done have I been able to build in confetti. That's a beatist thought process. Well, it's time for our next segment, which is Spill the Tea with Lee. That's right. This is the sassiest podcast for B2B, and we are going to get juicy. All right, Peter. So I listed some of the, the companies you've worked for and the marketing campaigns. I mentioned big names like Adobe, BMW, Okta. But another person or brand that you listed was Kanye West. Can you spill the tea on Kanye West and what you did? Like talk about the campaign? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I was like CMT, Mapbox, BMW. Then I'm like, Kanye West? So what was that if you're able, if there's no NDAs or whatever? Yeah, Kanye was kind of fun. My, so the agency that I, that I had with a business partner who's now a caddy daddy, his daughter just turned 13 and she's a professional golfer. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's his job. Caddy daddy. Um, he came from, uh, he owned a large agency in New York. So he had a lot of contacts there still. And we took up a, the regional ownership of some of the release of new slate. So I'm kind of dating myself in the campaign here. This is like 20. I mean, no, I mean, well, yes, you are. But I miss the old Kanye. The new Kanye doesn't make music, in my opinion. Um, new Slave was a great album. Okay. Boomer. That one was kind of fun. What, what we did uh, was take, you know, those old, uh, like the Dodge Sprinters, the Mercedes Sprinters, the big vans. Took those and loaded 20,000 lumen projectors in them. So imagine like a movie theater, but a larger movie theater style projector. And then built out some Jeep commanders, the four door ones. We put uh, PA system style sound, so nightclub sound. And the campaign itself was focused around geocaching, which was pretty bizarre. But there was a uh, Twitter account and there was a little online map. Sorry, let's define geocaching for any listeners who don't know it. Geocaching is kind of an interest or hobby for people that they can take coordinates from a GPS system or they can take uh, landmarks that are phrased out or riddles and find 
caches, C-A-C-H-E-S, treasure chests, whatever you want to call them, to claim some sort of prize because you solved the puzzle. Thank you. That was actually a really good lead up. So on this, on this Twitter account and on this map, we'd have little red dots and we'd have little hints. And that was our puzzle to figure out where things were happening. And we would drive up to various landmarks or large buildings with big flat walls and display the new Slave music video. Pop-up, experiential stuff. That's Arilla. the majority yeah. of my career leading up until like 2015. That was a lot of the work that I was doing. Wow. I didn't hop into PLG or SAS in general until 2014. Why the change? Were you done with Gorilla and Experimental or like what, what happened? Um, travel was rough. Securing and doing work was rough. I had at the time two businesses um, starting in 2010 that I eventually ended up shuttering in 2016. They took a lot of my time. They took my health as well. Um, entrepreneurship's not for everybody, and certain types of entrepreneurship should be for nobody. Uh, but being away from my babies, my big projects, these things, you know, I scaled to 2 million ARR in under two years as a solopreneur. Um, thank you. Thank you. That's a Almost big deal. I killed myself in the process. But, Another uh, big deal. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the experiential lifestyle was tough to do. Now, the other half of it was the woman I was engaged to at the time. We had been engaged for five years. Not that long. Three years. And she would not set a date because she was not going to marry a 1099. Mm. Got to marry a W-2. She's going to be bad at me because that's not what happened. That's not how it happened. That's how I took it. So anyway, I got a real job. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't been in the real job space since 2007 when I left a BMW dealership to go do BMW work. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it, I didn't. Stop. I didn't stop though. Yeah. When I went into SaaS, uh, I started with a firm called Boundless, which was a peel. It was a commercially supported open source, which I still think is a category that everybody needs to watch a little bit more. Um, and it was a PLG product, five dollar seat. Uh, $5 license, not per seat. So people were actually sharing their licenses, which was kind of interesting. Um, but I was doing big experiential events for that. I built a speakeasy one year as an industry disrupt. I had 6,500 people come through this event. My wow. biggest bar tab. Biggest <laughs> work bar tab, not my actual biggest bar tab. Anyway, um, yeah, so I, I didn't stop. It's just uh, COVID really killed it yeah. for me it, how did you track experimental because like plg all our digital stuff like we have metrics for everything we have utms attribution there's tools like hockey stack experimental like how how did you know if something was a, a success or not um so amanda nielsen who runs thought leader labs t-h-o-t leader labs has one of my favorite uh taglines apparel taglines it says vibes are the only kpi that's how you measure experiential now we can go backwards in that the one i did for boundless that huge party uh was designed to be a disrupt it was designed to uh really injure no i'm going to use injure it's not the word that i mean so in the geospatial space 
there's a big firm in the United States called Esri. They're kind of the, the only player. They're the biggest player. It's hard to compete with them. You basically fall in line. You become a partner and you pay to be in their marketplace and everything else. You do not go up against them. We were trying to go up against them. And the trick was that we uh, weren't invited to their big user conference. So instead, I spent a couple days going around in a wrapped van. Experiential seems to live on wrapped Sprinter vans. But um, handing out T-shirts and talking about this party, promoing the, the biggest party at the event. And after giving out a few hundred T-shirts, I think like 3,500 or so, the trick was we told people if you wear your shirt to the event from four to six, you get VIP access. You get to skip the line. And you're in. Well, the conference didn't let out till 4.30 or 5. If you did the symposium, it was 5.30. So people were wearing the shirt to the conference center and wearing it inside the show. So one of the metrics was, how many of these shirts can we get inside the show? How many photos can we get of people in booths wearing our logo gear and executing on that? That's one. And then also having like a ton of logo gear floating around, flying out investors flying out board members and showing the impact of the brand and the engagement of the brand. So experiential does fall into branding a lot. Dolby, which was my first like big, big one. We did a tastemaker campaign in five universities in the Bay Area because Beats Audio had come out at the time. And we were trying to reclaim or get new contracts for Dolby with manufacturers because you don't buy anything Dolby makes. You buy stuff that has Dolby in it. And the goal of that was to be able to take materials from these pop-ups of kids like holding signs. I want Dolby in my MacBook Pro. I want Dolby in my this and that. We also brought in strategic partners that already had Dolby in it, like Sennheiser, Lenovo, to lift their brands. And the, the overall goal of that was to be able to go to manufacturers and say, Dolby's not a dead brand. Dolby's a brand that these new spenders are going with. And I, you know, I, I've never gotten the whole story or the true story, but what I've always operated with is that they got an $18 million contract back on the deal, on this half million to million dollar investment they did with, with my team to run this campaign. It was a three month campaign. It was worth every penny for everybody involved at that point. So yeah, experiential, it's more about um, what's your motive. And that's where you define the KPI of it. A lot of people fail in it and they give it a bad name because it just looks like you're throwing a party. Yeah. Shifting gears a bit. So you are somebody, you seem to know everyone on LinkedIn, like actually. Um, what's your favorite thing about LinkedIn? And then you guessed it. What's your least favorite thing about LinkedIn? My favorite thing about LinkedIn is the people. My least favorite thing about LinkedIn is the people. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um. What I really like about LinkedIn, I, I the the honest answer is I'm getting kind of tired of LinkedIn. And you've probably seen my content. It's getting a lot more non sequitur. Um, I've been moving more and more to TikTok. I've been moving more and more to Instagram. I think what I do like about LinkedIn still is that you can get authentic and genuine. You and I met through there. Mm -hmm, uh, Alex mm -hmm. Boyd of Revenue Zen and, and Aware. He and I talked once. And I fell on, like, I fell into a bad situation at one point, and he came out of nowhere. Just some dude. And I was just some dude to him. And he lifted me. You know, like, you can make these surprisingly authentic, bizarre connections with people. You know, and you and I know some of the best of them, like Melissa Moody. 
I was I was joked that she and Trevor Van Warden and Carrie Gard, um, Leanne Dow Weimer, they're they're in my group of people. The day I met them, I'm like, oh yeah, you can watch my kids. No problem. <laughs> no problem. You don't get that on Reddit. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, so I think there's just like a level of um, accountability in LinkedIn that uh, makes authenticity required. What do I not like about LinkedIn? Engagement pods, carousels and hooks, uh, regurgitated content, AI-generated content, and this trend towards bringing out great features like being able to pin comments and killing them mm-hmm. for god-awful features like catch up. Please take that off. Please murder catch up. I was. It showed up on my AI phone stuff? and on my desktop early, and people thought I was crazy because they didn't have it yet. And oh, I hate that too. Uneven okay. release cycles. What's catch up then? You don't have it. So, like on uh, on my network, you'll you have it's usually where people send you page invites or newsletter invites or connection requests. There's another. They call that grow now. There's another one called that, catch yeah. up that gives you all the stuff that you could find if you were looking for it and you cared about it. But like everybody's certification, everybody's birthday, help somebody hire for this role. And it's, you know, when you get to the user connection level that you have, you have a perpetual notification ringing because of catch up. And it's horrible. Well, I don't have that yet. Um, I'm kind of like sad I don't because I want to feel special, but it sounds like um, it's not great. So I'm also glad I am premium, though. I should have that if, if you have it. Yeah, I'm not. And, and premium is another one that I like. They, what is it? They've moved it to five connection requests a week that people can do with an in-mail when they'd already dropped it to seven. And I, I rarely send in mails anyway. I just connect with people. And if they're not going to con- accept my connection, like yeah, you send it without a note. Yeah, I don't do notes usually. And then and then you put a random comment on a random post from like two years back going, <laughs> are you going to accept my connection request? <laughs> so we got to get Instagram creepy these mm-hmm. days. On LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. But like the, the whole driver towards premium, I don't think LinkedIn really does a good PLG model because it's yeah. almost exclusively fear and foam. Like you want to know who was looking at your profile? Cool. $70 a month. What? No, I don't care enough. These people from this organization were looking at your profile. Well, that, that sucks as a job seeker. You really want to know. So I was gifted premium. I didn't pay it myself. It's so it's so good. Like honestly, like seeing people who view your profile, like yeah, it's cool. But like, especially when you're, you're when you're job seeking, also when you're you know you're prospecting, obviously. But like literally seeing who's actually viewing your profile from hiring teams versus don't like. I don't know if it changes anything, but it like it helps set expectations. Uh, maybe I'll I'll hit this person up. Yeah, yeah. And, but in and when it's cryptic, that's again where it's like this fear and FOMO based, and it's just not it's not healthy. I don't think I think if you're going to build a product, that you really need to do it in a way that lifts your users and engages your users, not scares your users. But anyway, that's a pretty uh, that's a that's a great way to end it. Like, poignant, maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Do I get extra yeah. swag for that? I don't have swag. You can you oh. can you can pay me and I can make some swag. But um, I don't know if people would want Lee to be hoodies. Oh, you needed like 
do little clips of hair, like little locks of hair and frame them. You want me to like cut my hair and send it to people? Yeah, like set it in resin. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. But uh, before we wrap up, I want to, to, I always like to give our guests uh, to shout out things. Let's shout out Peter led growth. We'll say Pat snap again. You have some podcasts. You're speaking anywhere. You writing anywhere. Anything you want to shout out. This is your time, Peter. Oh yeah. I'm the perfect. You did all those things. Those are great. If you disagree with anything I say, that's awesome. Uh, hit me up on uh, linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Peter led growth, Peter led growth on just about everything else. Um, one of my favorite parts about LinkedIn is I can move your DM into the other column and mute it. So feel free to <laughs> throw nasty stuff my way. Um, and I always appreciate just lift other people, folks. That's my biggest shout out. But I want everybody who's listening to, to do something to lift somebody else in honor of Peter. I want you to think of Peter when you do that. Well, in, in my age and weight. You don't want to lift me, and I don't want to be lifted. So, Well, with that, Peter, thank you so much for coming on and really giving us a solid playbook on PLG. I know oh. there's tons of other stuff we could have talked about, partnerships. I know you want to talk even more about Kanye West and other rappers that you really, really enjoy. But this was such a solid PLG Actually, episode. Thank you. Oh, yeah. T-Dollar. If you want Memphis rap right now, that's that's been amazing. And the debut on TikTok and Instagram. If you, if you really want to talk rappers, the debut is awesome. T-Dollar, not Ty Dollar Sign? No, and not the T-Dollar from Nigeria, the T-Dollar from Memphis. Sorry, oh, Ron, yeah, he's it's Nigerian. Like names. We have to change our TLDs. Yeah, all right, I'm going to listen to T-Dollar. I don't know him. He's a I'll, I'll Nigerian a singer and rapper. No, not the Nigerian one. No, 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 the one oh. from Memphis. I'll, I'll send you a link. Oh, he needs some SEO then, because... I almost had everyone listen to this Nigerian artist. No, we it's probably great, we... too. And he might be perfectly fine, but... But yeah, thank you again, Peter, so much for coming on. And I will see everybody for another episode of Lead to Be next time. Enjoying Lead to Be? Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Your reviews go a long way in supporting me. Thank you so much.